This is People Every Day. Coming up, in a fiery new court filing, Britney Spears' dad, Jamie, says what it will take for him to step down from her conservatorship. Plus, why Cameron Diaz walked away from Hollywood and the latest in the horrific case of the California surf instructor who says he murdered his young children because of a QAnon conspiracy theory. It's August 13th. Hi there. This is People Every Day. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Friday. Guys, I will not be in your ear for a little while. I'm moving clear across the country this weekend, officially swapping coasts and heading back to my beloved home state of California. And I'll be taking next week to get settled. Thankfully, my wonderful People colleagues will be bringing you the news and notes in my stead. So make sure to tune in. Well, for today, the top stories I want to jump into first are all surrounding leading ladies from new music to the big screen. So Lizzo has unleashed her new song, Rumors, on the world, featuring none other than a very pregnant Cardi B. And it's a bop, you guys. The video is super fun. They've gone all Greek goddess like Hercules' muses or something. I loved it, and you should check it out. Next, we have former leading lady, actress Cameron Diaz, who went on Kevin Hart's new Peacock talk show, Heart to Heart, and opened up about why she walked away from Hollywood. This was one of the most sought-after actresses, a rom-com queen. And she told Hart, I wanted to make my life manageable. She added that when you do something at a really high level for a long period of time, other parts of you have to, quote, sort of be handed off to other people. And these days, she's the master of her domain. She's married to rocker Benji Madden, and they welcomed their daughter Radix in 2019. And now, Diaz told Hart, I don't have what it takes to give making a movie what it needs to be made. All of my energy is here. And she said, I am whole. Well, I'm happy for her, man. Been rooting for her since my best friend's wedding. <laughs> but moving on to a woman who is is still giving her all on the big screen. Jennifer Hudson stars as the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, in Respect, that's out today. And my guy Jeremy Parsons from People the TV Show got some time with her about stepping into those iconic shoes. Take a listen. Well, we first had our very first conversation over 15 years ago, right after I won the Oscar for Dream Girls. We met in New York and sat down and discussed it. And she said, How are you going to portray me? And I was like, How would you like to be portrayed? You know, and whatever that is, I'm going to do give it my all and do my best and let, allow it to come from the heart. And that's what I tried to do. Was there any particular thing that she said, just be sure to get this right. <laughs> yeah. To know that it, she's the queen. of soul. she made, <laughs> I, I promise you, look, I'm the queen of soul. Now I want you to play me, but you need to be clear that I am the queen. So I said, yes, ma'am, I know you ain't got to tell me. <laughs> Don't have to say it twice. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, you've also said that you were terrified the first time you met Aretha. And I wonder why, what were the feelings leading into that moment? I wouldn't say terrified, but just, I mean, how would you feel sitting at the table with the queen of soul? You right. know what I mean? Like right. it was just like unbelievable. A dream come true. All of those things where I was just in awe, I think 
So excited to see that and hear her sing. Yes. All right. Joining me now to break down the latest update in the ongoing Britney Spears conservatorship case is People's Melody Chu, our resident Britney expert. Hey, Mel. Hi, Janine. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the West Coast soon. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So yesterday we got some news that Britney's father, Jamie Spears, who's been in charge of her $60 million estate for the past 13 years, he announced that he would step down as Britney's conservator, quote, when the time is right. So walk us through exactly what he said in a court filing, because I feel like a lot of folks kind of jumped the gun on this story. Definitely. There was this huge round of celebration from Britney's fans saying Jamie's finally gone. He's stepping down. But um, yeah, definitely not so fast. He was actually, I think, setting the record straight for himself. You know, he he filed this very, um, it was pretty explosive uh, filing where he stood up for himself and his lawyer said, you know, this is a man who's been saving his daughter for the last 13 years. Um, there is no reason he should be forced to step down. Um, with that said, um, I think it is the first time that he's acknowledged that he is willing to step down, but he wants it to be um, at a time where he feels like she has a good support system around her, another conservator in place. Yeah, there was, it sounds like because there was another conservator that had said she was stepping away when everything blew up. And then, you know, Brittany herself asked her to stay on. Um, and so there has to be a transition period, of course. I mean, that's that's only natural. $60 million estate, like, you know, there's a, probably a lot of paperwork and legalese and all of this. But we got into this a few weeks back when it was announced that Brittany, you know, had filed the motion to remove Jamie as her conservator. So have we seen any other developments that might have prompted him to make this move and say, yeah, I'd be willing to? I think this is his response to Britney's filing um, a few weeks ago, like you said, when she she demanded that the judge remove her dad immediately move up the hearing, the the court case, um, because there's there's a hearing set for September and she wanted it to be even earlier. Um, And Mm, her lawyer said, you know, every day that passes where Jamie is in charge of her finances, Britney is traumatized and et cetera, et cetera. And so this is Jamie hitting back saying, no, actually, again, I have her best interest at heart. This is my daughter. I love her. Um, there is no reason that anyone should remove me. I've done the best I can for her. Yeah, and, and and he had some words for his ex-wife, Lynn, in the filing as well, right? Uh, he, he, there was some wording in there that said, instead of criticizing Mr. Spears, Lynn should be thanking him for ensuring Miss Spears's well-being and for preserving through the years-long tenure requiring his 365, 24-7 attention, long days and sometimes late nights to deal with day-to-day and emergency issues, all to protect Miss Spears and those around her charged with protecting his daughter. So he's basically saying, like, Mom, you weren't even around, right? Yeah, and our sources actually say that is that is true. Um, he's been very involved for the last 13 years, obviously, as her conservator, both personal at some points and then now just the financial. Um, and Lynn was not involved in the conservatorship. But, you mm-hmm. know, things were also relatively quiet for a decade. And it's really starting in 2018 that I think Brittany started voicing that she was unhappy. She wanted changes. Yeah. Um, and, and But now Lynn is saying that's why I stepped in, because I saw that my daughter was in distress. So 
So, yeah, this is his way of, again, setting the record straight for himself, saying, well, you haven't even been involved. How do you how can you even accuse me of mismanaging funds or, you know, causing our daughter to be angry and upset when you haven't been around to see everything that I've done? And so where do the fans and specifically the Free Britney movement play into all of this? She, of course, has seemed to embrace the so-called Free Britney movement. Um, And we also have seen, you know, portions of that same movement really go after and harass judges and and members of her family. So how big of a factor would you say that they have been in this decision? And, you know, and has there been any efforts to kind of tamp down some of the more violent elements of all this? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that her fans have been a very, very large role in this publicly. But, you know, talking to legal sources, they say at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference with the judge. You know, it's up to the court and the judge, Brenda Penny, um, our our legal sources say she's a very, very good judge. Um, She's Mm -hmm. been in this forever. Uh, she's she's overseen so many conservatorship cases. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's up to the judge to determine if Brittany is mentally healthy enough to get out of the conservatorship. We were we were hearing from our, our legal um, contacts that the fact that the judge did not approve the hearing to be moved up means that she didn't feel that Brittany's new lawyer showed proof uh, that, that, that Brittany's under traumatic uh, stress and, and, and that Jamie's ruining her everyday life and all of that. So the fact that Got the judge, it. yeah, didn't approve that, I think is a sign that she is very much looking at the full picture um, and the impact that Jamie's having, the new lawyer and, and all of the players involved. And Jody uh, Montgomery, of course, is very involved in Brady's everyday life. So she plays a large piece in this as well. Yeah. Wow. It's, I mean, on the one end, you hear like, oh, she's get, able to get her own lawyer. And then on the other end, you hear like, well, the judge says we're not pushing it up. So you, you really don't know where the chips are going to fall in this one. It's 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 pretty wild. Well, Mel, thank you so much for you're just such an expert. And, and I'm so much more clear on all things Brittany right now. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> Next up, People Steve Helling takes me inside the sad, bewildering case of California surf instructor Matthew Coleman, who claims QAnon led him to kill his two children. Stick around. So this next story has been one of the most clicked stories on our site for several days. I hate it for obvious reasons, but it's something that you've likely seen or heard and that we can give you a little more insight on. Earlier this week, Matthew Coleman, a well-known surf instructor from Southern California, admitted to killing his two young children, a two-year-old son and 10-month-old daughter, after he bought into a QAnon conspiracy theory and became convinced that they had serpent DNA. Coleman says he drove the kids to Mexico last weekend and killed them on Monday. He told investigators that he knew it was wrong, but was worried they'd grow into monsters and was trying to save the world. So there's obviously a lot to unpack here. And Steve Helling has been covering the story for people. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? 
I'm okay. <sighs> Not great when you read things like this. Yeah. But um, this Matthew Coleman was arrested, you know, earlier this week as he tried to re-enter the state. So what do we know about what happened there? What we know is that he left, uh, you know, his home that is in Santa Barbara and he drove over the Mexican border. Um, when he got there, he checked into a hotel. Um, and then the next day, which was Monday, he, um, you know, allegedly took the kids out to a ranch and killed them and then went back to the hotel and then came back to uh, the States. And what we do know for sure is that, you know, he did confess to the police um, uh, for what he did. Wow. So he he was married. Has has his wife been implicated in any of this? Like, I'm just wondering how, um, yeah, and even him re-entering, like he was arrested upon trying to re-enter. So I'm wondering how it all played out in sure. terms of... Well, um, on the contrary, his wife is not any sort of, um, you know, she's not under any sort of suspicion. She's the one who reported uh, her husband and kids missing. And mm. even when the cops started questioning her, she said, oh, well, he would never hurt them. I just, I'm just worried because I don't know where they are. And so what we do know is that when he, you know, uh, these, uh, the children's bodies were found on this ranch on Monday morning while he was still in Mexico. He hadn't gotten over the border yet. Uh, the farmer who found the bodies called the police. The police came out and then the police worked with the U.S. police and the U.S. Customs and, and, and Immigration to say, you know, we suspect that this guy is going to be coming back over the, the border to come back to the States. And so when he did, you know, try to go through the checkpoint, he was uh, he was stopped. Wow. And so so talk a little bit about his motivations. The QAnon factor is obviously a big headline here. What did he believe and when did he start forming those beliefs? So th- when he started forming the beliefs is kind of interesting because everybody is saying right now, oh, he seemed like this normal guy, you know, this normal surf instructor, kind of laid back, church going guy, family guy that type of thing. So he didn't seem like the type who would, you know, do something like this. Um, what we do know is that in the last year or so, he has started to, you know, follow a lot of these internet conspiracy theories. Um, it's unclear how how quickly he got, you know, really in the weeds with it. But we know that as you know, as long ago as, you know, Christmas, he was starting to look into these uh, type of conspiracy theories and he just got more and more convinced of them. So have we gotten any additional comment from his family? What about from followers of QAnon? Right now, nobody is commenting. Um, I expect that to change in the next day or two. Everybody's in shock right now. Usually after the shock wears off, people have things that they want to say. Um, but, you know, QAnon and, you know, people who subscribe to that, those theories that they put out, um, you know, it's a very uh, loose type of group when you get down to it and different people believe different parts of these conspiracy theories. So, you know, there's nobody who's standing up and saying, well, you know, he was right. The kids have serpent DNA. Nobody is defending him at this point for his actions. Okay. Well, obviously there are also a number of mental health factors here working as well. Um, What can you tell me is next in this particular just horrific case. Well, yeah. Um, you know, at this point, 
they're going to go ahead and do autopsies of the children. That's just standard procedure, although we all kind of know at this point how they died. Um, and then he's going to be held without bond for right now. And there will be some sort of psych evaluation. They always do that in a case like this, uh, not only to find out whether he is fit to stand trial about it, but also to try and get some idea of the motivations that he had. So it's going to be a um, it's going to be a long process. And we're going to learn more about his him and his life and his beliefs as the days go by. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time and for your work on this. I know this is a this is a tough one. It is a tough one. Thank you very much. That was People's Steve Helling. For more on the shocking case surrounding California surf instructor Matthew Coleman, who admitted to killing his children over QAnon conspiracy theories, head over to People.com. And now, a much-needed something to make you smile heading into this weekend. There's an action-packed celebration currently taking place in the Big Apple. It's the 40th anniversary of the National Veterans Wheelchair Games. In 1981, the games emerged as an outlet to help disabled veterans lift their spirits and confidence. Since then, it has become a national treasure that participants and volunteers look forward to every year. Here's what Paralyzed Veterans of America President Charlie Brown, who was injured while serving in the Marines, has to say about how the wheelchair games changed his life. It got me involved with the chapter, and that's where I got sort of getting involved in other veterans' lives, life-altering, life-changing, turning points. There's a whole lot of acronyms you can put to it, but it's more than that. There's just not a word that really describes what the wheelchair games does to a novice athlete and how mm. much it can improve their quality of life. I got a rebirth when I was injured. You know, I had to, I had to learn how to uh, push a chair again and do things like that. The games was actually introduction into life and being an active human being and being being someone to give back to the community. Each year, Wheelchair Games brings out about 500 participants, men and women, competing in adaptive sports such as nine ball, table tennis, rugby, and powerlifting. It's an amazing event, but they can't do it alone. Here's what Charlie says you can do to get involved wherever you are. Find your local organization that you can uh, donate your time, your effort, Maybe even if you have an extra dollar, you can donate to them. Go to pva.org. Have a great, safe weekend, and I will be back soon. People Every Day is produced by Julia Weaver with help from Fallon Harge, Darby Masters, and Aliza Sessler. Executive produced by Christina Everett and mixed by Mary Dew, Bahid Frazier, and Josh Fisher. People's executive producers are David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. Special thanks to Nikki Etor, Will Lee, and the incredible staff at iHeartRadio and People. 